Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Norton. I'm one of the pastors here at New Denver. And today we're kicking off um, a new nine week uh, sermon series. It's going to take us through the fall. And the idea from this series actually comes from a book that I read last fall. And uh, the name of the book is You Are Not Your Own uh, by a guy named Alan Noble. And it's a book with a whole bunch of observations about our lives and about our world and how the Bible and our faith can speak into that. And I've got to be honest, when I read this book, um, it really impacted me. Uh, So I actually emailed the author. Um, He's a professor of English at a university in Oklahoma. And I said to him, like, you uh, put your finger on so many things that I've been thinking or feeling or seeing or experiencing and, and, and made some observations that were just really helpful and really personally challenging for me. Um, also, I'm a pastor, and uh, I would love to preach a sermon series and talk about some of the ideas that you articulate in your book and weave it together with some passages uh, from the Bible. Um, so I said in the email, I said, is that okay? And uh, he emailed back and he said, that sounds awesome. Go for it. Um, in fact, he even said, here's some suggestions and uh, keep me posted on how it goes. So uh, today we're starting this series and it's also just going to be called You Are Not Your Own. And you'll see why it's called that in a few weeks. Um, but I need to give you a heads up before we dive in, uh, because essentially what we're going to be doing is diagnosing something that is wrong in our lives and in our culture. And then we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about it. But for the first few weeks, it's going to be a lot of diagnosis. And, uh, and, and this is what you have to do anytime you go to the doctor, right? When you don't feel well, um, or there's pain in a specific part of your body, or you're having a bunch of headaches, or you're not sleeping very well. Um, a good doctor is going to spend a lot of time on diagnosis. They're going to ask you a lot of questions. They're going to ask for a personal history. They might run some tests. They're going to make some observations. Because you cannot talk about a solution until you have an accurate diagnosis. So we're going to be doing a little bit of the same. For the next few weeks, we're mainly going to be diagnosing and we're not really going to get to solutions yet. Um, We're also um, not going to dig as much into the Bible for the first few weeks. And that's a little different than what we typically do. Uh, Typically during our sermon message, um, we'll take one passage of scripture. We'll sort of read through it, oftentimes go word by word or verse by verse and talk about what it means and how to apply it to our lives. And and we will certainly do, um, do that. In fact, there is a really important truth. Um, a, a foundational and a transformational truth that we're going to look at and that we're going to spend a whole bunch of time in the Bible unpacking and seeing what it has to say. Um, but at least for the first few weeks, we're going to have to step back and we're going to have to ask those diagnostic type questions. So does that make sense? Everybody good with that? All right. Lots of head shakes. I need it from everyone. All right. Thumbs up. Very good. Uh, so with that in mind, Let me just make one very simple observation today, and it's this. Most of us, most of the time, if we're honest, feel exhausted, anxious, and empty. Most of us, most of the time, when we're being honest, Not when we're putting on the nice face, not when we're taking pictures of our vacation and posting them on Instagram, but when we're actually being honest with ourselves, 
Most of the time we feel exhausted, anxious, and empty. Uh, We're tired, we're overworked, we're often too busy, we're running on fumes. We rarely get all the things done in a day that we were hoping or planning to get done. It happens from time to time, but whenever it does happen, whenever you're able to check everything off the, the checklist, it feels like a major victory because it's the exception, not the rule. It feels like we're always behind. We're always trying to catch up. And oftentimes we don't know how to catch up. And sometimes we get to the point where we don't even really want to catch up anymore. We just want to check out. And so we find ways of of numbing ourselves of the exhaustion and the anxiety and the emptiness that we feel. Uh, Think about students for a moment. Uh, Let's just focus on uh, middle school and high school students, right? You guys are exhausted and tired because for starters, you have to go to school and that's no fun, right? That's tiring all day long. But then you have all kinds of pressure that's put on you because you have to make good grades. Because if you don't make good grades, you won't get into a good, right? And if you don't go to a good college after college, you won't get a good, and if you don't get a good job, you won't make lots of Right? See, we all know. It's like the pressure of that future starts in middle school and high school. And it's not even just about grades anymore. You have to play sports. You have to be in clubs. You have to do all sorts of extracurricular activities. You have to get good test scores. You have to take classes to help you get good test scores, right? There's all kinds of AP classes you have to take now to to boost your GPA and to take college credit ahead of time. And in fact, it's recommended that high school students should now take a minimum of four to eight AP college level classes. I took two when I was in high school. And then you have to figure out how to pay for college. Over the past 20 years, the cost of living has gone up sort of across the board in America about 54%. The cost of college has gone up 175%. It's just way more expensive to go to college today than it ever has been. And so you're going to have to get scholarships. You're going to have to manage financial aid. You're going to have to be more selective in the schools you consider. You're going to have to get a job, probably in high school, and then work your way through college as well. You're probably going to have to go into debt, so you're going to be in hole for the next decade or two after college, right? And this is why a lot of people are choosing not to go to college anymore after high school. And that can be a great choice, but if you do that, then you've got a different set of challenges, right? You're 18 and you have to get a job really quickly. It's going to be a full-time job. It needs to pay decent because now you have real bills to pay and you're going to live in the real world in one of the most expensive cities in the country. And I'm just exhausted and stressed out thinking about it, right? It's overwhelming and it's no wonder the teenagers are worn out. It's no wonder that they're experiencing mental and emotional anxiety and depression and challenges than any generation before. It's because they're exhausted and they're anxious and they're empty. Or think about stay-at-home moms. How much is on your plate and how exhausted you often are 
Some of you still work from home. Some of you are still managing part-time jobs on top of the full-time job of taking care of kids, right? And not just feeding them and changing them and making sure they get good sleep, but you're trying to figure out how can I be the best parent I can be? How can I not make some of the mistakes I've seen other parents make? How can I uh, create a loving and a nurturing environment, an emotionally healthy environment? How can I manage screen time and technology and discipline? How can I navigate the preschool registration gauntlet every single fall, right? You're often managing the household as well. You're expected to be the person in charge of keeping everything running smoothly, everything on time, everything clean. Uh, There's a a French cartoonist, her name is Emma, and she did a cartoon a few years ago called The Mental Load, and it went viral because it connected so deeply with so many moms. She writes this, the mental load means always having to remember. It's remembering to add cotton balls to the shopping list. It's remembering today is the day to order vegetables from your CSA. It's remembering to pay the babysitter. It's remembering the kids' clothes don't fit anymore, so you need to buy some new ones. It's remembering to get booster shots. It's remembering that your husband's shirt needs to get cleaned. And on and on it goes. And then she says this, the mental load is almost completely borne by women. It's permanent and exhausting work. And it's invisible. And in the last box, she says, of course, there's nothing forcing us to do all this. The problem is that when we stop, the whole family suffers. So most of us feel resigned to the fact that we are alone and bearing the mental load. That describes a lot of stay-at-home or working moms. And it's partly why you often feel exhausted and anxious and empty. Now, uh, maybe you're not a teenager uh, or a working mom, but maybe you feel this in your job or in your career. Uh, Whether you work from home or you work in a a workplace or an office, or maybe you've uh, cobbled together a bunch of different gigs. Maybe it's an online thing that you're doing, but the truth is our jobs and our work can feel exhausting. Sure, there are moments and days where we have joy and we have victories and we like our jobs, but oftentimes it feels like we're never doing enough. There's always more to do. There's more ideas to be pursued, right? There's more skills that need to be learned. There's more problems that need to be solved. There's more emails and Slack messages that need to be responded to. There's more posts that need to be sent out into the world. And if we want to move up in the workplace, right, And we better produce, we better grow, we better get better. If we want to be good at our jobs, which we all want, right? We better figure out how we can go the extra mile. If we want to pay off our debt, if we ever want to buy that house or or do renovations on that house or, or build up our savings, right? We better keep our foots on the gas pedal. And sometimes our work is fulfilling and it's meaningful, but there's a lot of days we're exhausted. We're anxious and we're left feeling empty. And if that doesn't describe you, that's great. But just listen to these statistics. A record 48 million Americans quit their jobs last year 
The highest number ever recorded. That's one in three people who are in the workplace. A third of us in this room quit our jobs last year. Now, there's lots of different reasons you move or maybe you were switching industries, but exhaustion and emptiness are at the top of the list. And then it just came out this week. I don't know if you saw these headlines, but half of all Americans are described in their jobs as quiet quitters, meaning half of us are showing up and we're performing the bare minimum of our job description, but mentally and emotionally we've checked out. Mentally and emotionally we've disengaged. We're done with it. We're clocking in because we have to, but our tanks are on empty. Now, I could go on and on, uh, but what's the real problem here? Why are so many of us in so many different ways feeling exhausted and anxious and empty? Uh, Is it personal time management? Maybe we just need to get better at saying no to things. Maybe we need to get better at managing our, our calendars and our schedules. Maybe we all need to get up earlier every single day so we can get more done and be more efficient. Maybe there's an app we all need to download that could help us out. Maybe there's a new uh, productivity technique that we all need to adopt. Or perhaps the real issue is our physical health, right? Maybe we're just eating the wrong kinds of foods, and that's why we don't have enough energy each day. Maybe it's because we're not really exercising. We're not taking care of our bodies. We're not getting enough sleep. So we don't have good mental alertness to dedicate to all the things that we need to do. Maybe we just have to figure out how to take care of our bodies better. Or what if the problem is much bigger than that? Maybe it's American work culture. Right? We live in a performance-based, achievement-based meritocracy, right? which means the people who work the hardest are rewarded the most. And so we learn from a very young age, even in middle school, that we have to work ourselves to death in order to get ahead. Or, or what about technology? Maybe these phones and computers and devices that we have that are supposed to make our lives better and easier, maybe they're not. Because we're always on. We always have to be available. We're always getting notifications. We're always distracted. And then when things get hard, we're always tempted to check out through entertainment or technology right? Maybe the problem is we're just binging too much on social media or we're we're binging too much on Netflix. Maybe technology is the real problem. Now, uh, here's the thing. There's certainly aspects of all four of those things that, that play a role into the reasons that we're exhausted and anxious and often feeling empty. But I'm not sure any of those gets to the heart of the issue. I mean, if you stop and think about it, we can try to get more efficient with our time. We can try to figure out how to do more during the day. But is that addressing the problem? Or is that just feeding the problem? Of course, we can and we should try to care about our bodies and take better care of our health. But isn't that overwhelming? 
Uh, how many new uh, food plans or diet plans or nutrition plans? Just a show of hands. No, I'm not going to ask you to show your hands. But like, how many new plans have you started and a few weeks or a few months in you've given up because it's just too hard? How many new exercise plans have you tried? How many apps have you downloaded to your watch or to your phone to track things so that you can get better breathing or better sleep or better eating or better exercise and you give up because it's just so exhausting and you can never maintain the pace. And then when you think about American work culture or technology, how do you change something? that is ubiquitous, that is part of the very fabric of everything we do. We have to work, right? We have to use technology. We have to sometimes binge on Netflix, right? Just to get through the day, just to survive. Uh, I wonder if the best image to describe what we're all experiencing comes from an ancient Greek myth. It's about a man named Sisyphus. He twice cheated death. Two times he he died and he was supposed to go down to Hades, which is the Greek underworld, right? Um, But he escaped from Hades and came back to the land of the living. And so Zeus, who was the head of all of the gods, was deeply offended by this. Because when someone dies, they have to go down to Hades and stay there, right? So when Sisyphus died a third time, Zeus decided to punish him. He gave him this task to do in Hades, and it would be a task he could never complete. Here's how the great writer Homer describes it when the hero Odysseus goes down to Hades. He says, then I witnessed the torture of Sisyphus as he wrestled with a huge rock with both hands, bracing himself and thrusting with hands and feet. He pushed the boulder uphill to the top. But every time, as he was about to send it toppling over the crest, its sheer weight turned it back. And once again, towards the plain, the pitiless rock rolled down. So once more, he had to wrestle with the thing and push it up, while the sweat poured from his limbs and the dust rose high above his head. We all know this image, right? Sisyphus is endlessly pushing this boulder uphill. He never arrives. He never gets rest. He's always working, always pushing, always toiling, always feeling the weight of the burden. And that's how a lot of us feel as well. We're tired. There's there's too many things on our plates. We're carrying too many burdens. There's too many responsibilities on our shoulders and they never get lighter, right? And the best that we can come up with is just work harder, just try harder, be more efficient, get up earlier every day so you can do more, but make sure you get enough sleep as well, right? Get more done, just figure out how to do it all. And all of these things are just adding more burdens, more weight. And it feels like we're always pushing this boulder uphill. And I think a lot of us, have simply resigned ourselves to the fact that this is the way it is. And there's just nothing we can do about it. Now, for the next eight weeks, we're going to explore this issue in depth. And I promise, um, 
hopefully it won't be as depressing as it is today. Maybe a little bit, but not too much. But here's what I want to ask. What if our work habits and our life habits and our health habits and our time management habits and our need to binge Netflix, what if all of those things are not the cause of the problem, but a symptom of something so much deeper? But what if there's an idea at the bottom of all of our exhaustion and all of our emptiness, an idea or a creed that we have come to believe and we have come to embrace and we actually live by and we don't even realize that it's killing us. That's what we're going to pick up next week. But I want to leave you with just a little bit of hope and an invitation today because one day over 2,000 years ago, Jesus was teaching some people, followers of his, followers who lived in a very different culture and carried very different burdens than we carry. Uh, they probably had greater physical burdens than we have. They worked demanding physical jobs. And think about it, when they had to put food on the table, they didn't just go to a restaurant or go to the grocery store. They actually had to plant and grow and harvest food, right? So life was hard. They also had some religious burdens that perhaps we don't have. They were Jews living in a very religious society where there were religious laws and rituals that they had to follow meticulously. And then these Jewish rabbis would come along and say, you're not doing enough. You're not good enough. You're not obeying the laws well enough. You're not being obedient enough because if you were God wouldn't be punishing us, but clearly God is still punishing us because we don't have our land, we don't have our nation, we don't have our kingdom, we're being ruled over by the Romans. So work harder, get better, figure out how to please God more. And so they too, for different reasons than us, right? Their culture, our culture, it's apples and oranges, but they too, I have to think, we're often feeling exhausted and anxious, and empty. And one day, uh, Jesus looked at this group of weary people and he said something. And I want you just to imagine that he's not speaking to them, but he's speaking directly to you. And in your tiredness and in your frustration and in this sense that I feel like I'm always pushing this boulder uphill and it's just always going to be that way with the deepest compassion in his eyes. Here's what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Just bring your weariness. Bring your exhaustion. Bring the guilt you're carrying because you think you should be doing more. Bring the shame that maybe you feel. Bring your numbness and your emptiness to me. And I'll give you rest. And this is the heart of Jesus. Whatever you think about Jesus, whether you've been going to church your whole life or maybe you've hardly been to church at all, whether you've read the Bible a ton or maybe you've never read the Bible, 
There are four stories about Jesus. And in all of the stories that are told, in all of the passages, in all of his teachings, in all of his sayings, there is only one place where Jesus himself describes his heart towards us. And it's right here. And he says, I'm gentle. Gentle means I'm kind. And I'm humble in heart. Humble is, he's not like humble bragging here. Humble just simply means I'm lowly. I know how you feel. I know what it's like to be tired and weary. I know what it's like to be worn out. At the end of your rope. And, And there's no sense whatsoever that Jesus is disappointed when he looks at us or he's frustrated or he's going, can't you just get your act together? Like, why can't you do it all? Why can't you get everything done? Why are you always behind? Can't you just figure it out? No. He just has compassion. In fact, think about this. The only people that Jesus invites to come to him to find rest are people who are weary and burdened. It is a precondition that you're worn out and you're spent and you're empty in order to come to Jesus. So if you're here today and you're not weary or you're not burdened, that's awesome. But Jesus doesn't really have anything for you. That's right. It's like, no, no, no. For if you've got everything together, that's great. But if you know you don't have everything together. If you know that you're just constantly living in survival mode. If you're worn out, well, then I've got something to offer you. Come to me for rest. And we're going to spend a lot of time in this series talking about maybe why we feel so exhausted or empty. But today, what you and I need is not an explanation. I think what we need first and foremost, more than anything else, is the rest that only Jesus can give. And so we just need to figure out how we can say in our own ways, in the quietness of our own hearts today, I'm done. I'm tired. And I need your help, Jesus. Would you give me the rest that you offer? Let me pray for us. God, I pray for every single one of us who feel like we're carrying more than we can carry, who are just tired, worn out. Would you show us the grace and the love and the compassion? and the rest that we so desperately want and need. We pray for that today. Amen.